Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Women Tech Charge is sponsored by Huawei. 20 years connecting the UK. Right, so hi everyone. I'm Anne Marie. <laughs> and I'm the host of Women Take Charge. Welcome to this musical episode. Today, my guest is the Imogen Heap. Yeah, the mm, what to say? Imogen Heap. I know. We'll come to that. Mm, what to say? She has never written another song that anybody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> She is a singer, songwriter, and audio engineer at the cutting edge of innovation in many ways, which I hope we, we can get to cover kind of as many of them as possible in this episode. And she has won two Grammys, one for producing and one for audio engineering. So welcome to the Women Tech Charge podcast, Imogen Heap. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to my kitchen. I'm very happy to be here in this podcast. That's no, great. Lovely to see you. And you. I'm so excited because, um, mm, what do you say? Anytime I hear that song or anything like that, I, it takes me back to uni and it takes me that, back to some pretty good times. Nice. And I don't think little, little Amory would have ever imagined that I'd have kind of been here face to face. I think we can say face to face. It's pandemic face to face. Same difference <laughs> with, exactly. with the original voice that mm, what you say, woman. I just have to say that. Say herself. Yeah, the kind of the fan, I'm me. fangirling a little bit hard to start this off. So let's lead up to um, what you say because that was years ago. That was that was. You're now a musician. Was there ever anything else that you wanted to be when you were younger? Well, it depends how far back you go. I mean, very very early days, I fancied being an astronaut. No way. I did. It was either space or music, and music was a little bit more accessible with a piano in the house, so <laughs> I didn't have to defy gravity to get into space I could just walk to the piano so yeah piano one and then I quickly discovered that the more instruments I learned when I eventually went to school the more boring lessons I would get out of so I learned the clarinet and the cello and I learned some theory I was doing a cassette tape to tape recorder recording on one side playing that thing that I just recorded then recording on the other one and eventually if you could hear anything beyond the hiss of the of the cassette after multiple recording then 
yeah, that was my early days of multi-track recording, I suppose. That's so cool. So you've been pioneering the whole time. Yeah, who knew? Okay, that's amazing. So you learned all the instruments to avoid whatever lessons it was in primary school. Although, I don't know, primary school lessons to avoid, I feel like secondary school would have been the time to kind of kick up the whole avoiding lessons. The lessons would happen after school and I didn't really want to do lessons after school. I wanted to go and, <laughs> go and smoke down in, you know, whatever we weren't supposed to be doing, buying an illegal bottle of drink from the... <laughs> in the local spa <laughs> but I really loved playing the piano and I always played the piano and when I first went to boarding school I was 12 and I was there for three years and I wasn't like the most popular person in the school to say the least and so I spent a lot of time playing the piano a lot of time and a lot of time singing my woes about how what was being I was being bullied and Kind of had some strange conversations with the devil when I was younger. Um, All these kind of things that happen when you're on your own for long periods of time with the piano. But then eventually my friends that later became my friends discovered this thing that I did and they loved it and they encouraged me. And that's when I started to write songs. And I discovered an Atari computer kind of in this, this cupboard that belonged to the music department. And nobody used it, nobody knew how to use it, but it had a massive manual. I was the only person doing music GCSEs because nobody really liked Mr. Dodge. And it was either spend some time with my music teacher, and but I think secretly he he knew that I really wanted to do that. So he would send me into the cupboard as a kind of punishment for not listening or something when it was just me and him or me being rude to him or something. But really, I think he knew that that's really what he should be doing. That was your destiny. Kind of... So thank, shout out to Mr. Dodge. Thanks to Mr. Dodge. Yeah. Why did, why did he have an Atari in the cupboard in the music department? I never asked him. I don't know. It was just, I guess the school, you know, is quite well funded and... They bought a, a computer, music computer, and it had the sequencing software on it. And it was just amazing for me to be able to not have to write stuff, because I hated writing. I hated reading, and I hated writing, especially notes, because it comes much quicker into the head and painstaking having to write it down. But I did do it. But then when I realised that there was no need anymore, because there was this computer and I could type it in with my keyboard fingers, and the notes would pop up, I was just like, I'm never going back. And then being able to hear pieces of music that I might write for I, mean, I did write bits of music for orchestra because I had to you know that was part of the school thing and it, yeah it changed my life that's amazing and and you're, that's still your thing today though I guess it's still kind of imaging from boarding school that we see out with the with the instruments on tv and in places right yeah except I'm less and less wanting to sit in front of the computer you know it's kind of boring now back then it was a novelty now it's like I spend my whole life in front of a computer. I don't really want to sit. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to explore all kinds of ways to remove myself from the computer um, by developing some musical gloves so that I can paint music. You don't want to be in front of that kind of PC, but you want to be holding the PC. Yeah, I want to be the human interface. Get rid of all this sitting around hunched over. What do you enjoy the most about audio engineering it's more for anyone that's never considered this never thought about it never kind of we listen to music so much the thought behind the process and and all that goes into it is not something that many people will have considered or even kind of seen themselves in so what is the magic what is what is it that's the best bit of it what do you enjoy the most why is that what you've gravitated towards I guess the the joy of it was just instead of having to wait for like a gang of people to turn up and be able to record a song, you can just go and do it yourself. You can explore and 
happy accidents can happen if sometimes you don't really know how to do stuff that well that you think oh that's an interesting sound I'm going to I'm going to record that it, it would have been quite a lot to learn I just got lucky that the kind of education I got and that I went to the Brit school and I learned about engineering there gave me a leg up so that I I did have the possibility to go into a studio when I was 18 and I knew what I was talking about which meant I didn't have producers breathing over my neck and you could be more in yeah. control yeah I think I think there's that is that kind of education or knowledge is power isn't it really on on that especially with the music scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. can you tell me about the Mimu gloves you started them off you or you, you've been developing them since 2011 so these gloves were like the extension of what I was starting to do on stage by trying to remove myself from base camp so I have a ton of gear when I was touring before the gloves where I'd have like keyboards and recording equipment, loopers, uh, microphones all over the place. And then I, I saw this guy who was a glass harmonica player, which is basically like lots of wine glasses, and he would tune them all. And how he mic'd them up was he put little lapel microphones that you'd usually stick on your chest or body mics. And I would stick, he, he stuck it on his wrist so that then he, they would get the sound coming from the wine glass. And I was like, that is genius. I'm going to do that. So I put two of these things uh, on my wrists and I went around and recorded lots of instruments, you know, my Embira, guitar, drums, if someone was playing them, I could just like walk up to somebody and record them. But the thing about it was I had to, in order to actually press record, I had to run back to base station, press a button and then go and record them and then come back, which is a bit silly. So I tried all these like different remote options. There's this thing called iCubix, which took me ages to program and get all these little devices set up. And it just took so long that in the end, I was like, I wish there was just some way that I could just like open my hand and catch the sound. And then I realized that the technology is available to do that and you can build that kind of stuff. So I got a, an awesome team together led by this guy in the beginning called Tom Mitchell, who was a friend's brother. And he got a grant from the University of West England of 10 grand to take an existing fiber optic glove and to create the beginnings of what we now have as a software called Glover, where he started off with a neural network. So he would basically create a memory of a snapshot of in what state the, the fiber optics were in inside the fingers. So if you were like doing an OK sign or a punch or a fist or a you know two finger point or whatever, then it would recognize that. So you could recall that back and go like, OK, record is closed fist and release is open hand. So from that, we then realized that we quickly need to develop our own glove because you couldn't you couldn't do any uh, kind of movement um, detection. It only had posture recognition yeah so then we could do up down left right you know choose zones um and then we had to add on uh, an accelerometer so that we could sorry uh, so that we could get accelerometer peaks for drum triggers and then we wanted lights for feedback and buzzers for feedback so you could tell where in a position you were so you kind of get haptic feedback on a command like an affirmation okay this is you have done that record sound and then you know, 10 years later, here we are. And then we're selling them. And, you know, we have 150 glovers in the world now. Quite exciting. Nice. Are people using them for non-musical things? So other people are using them for visuals. Like we have one of our glovers. She's also very much part of the team. She's called Chagall. And she has uh, a show which she also generates visuals using the gloves and a whole bodysuit actually she's 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 gone on she's gone into the rest of the body so she's building a separate system which is in integrating glover but with other external interfaces but you can do all that within glover so actually glover is very very powerful that's the in a way the jewel of the crown that hopefully toward the end of the year we'll have as a standalone software so that people can take any 
input. It could be a leap motion. You might have a leap motion or an iPhone or some other controller. And you could use Glover as the, the, the magic brain that connects you to your music software or your visual software. Would people be able to put Glover into kind of, I guess, maybe not their own glove, but like their own hats or their own socks? Like, is, there, is that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're like if you're a maker or a hacker you can get out there and you know get a raspberry pi or whatever and stick some some bits onto your your sock women tech charge is sponsored by huawei 20 years connecting the uk cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The other thing, I guess, so you've almost extended that a little bit with mycelia. mycelia. Yeah, so mycelia is the grand vision of a future music ecosystem. Um, but what's come out of all mm-hmm. of that after about five years now of development is essentially a digital identity tool for music makers. It's a place to put in information about yourself that could be useful to anyone should they need to find it. So, for example, even if you were doing an interview with me, it would have in my creative password. It has all my skills, it has the brands that I've worked with, it has my latest biography, it has my inspirations, it has people I've worked with, it has related content, albums, projects, and you could look, you could scan through that and go, oh, Imogen, what's what's hablab.tv? And I'll be like, oh, let me tell you all about it. Or you could be like, oh, Imogen, I see he worked with IBM, what's all that about? And you'd be like, let me tell you about it. So it's basically giving everyone the tools to be able to get what they need from an artist or a music maker you don't have to be like all bells and whistles you could be uh, an engineer you could be a producer you could be be a coder could be a clarinetist anything to do with music making you should have one of these because essentially there's no way for the industry to communicate with masses of us on any meaningful level because we're basically all separate ends of the conversation could be like on a Zoom call or on an end of an email or through Twitter or through LinkedIn. There's no easy way to approach us and there's no easy way for us to be able to organise to work with services on our own terms. Helping to level up or step up the collaboration that would be able to happen between musical creatives. Between creators and services, really, there hasn't been much innovation outside of digital streaming services for music, for example. There's loads of possibilities in all kinds of different services that we could be doing live shows in right now, but we don't know where they are or what their deal terms are, and they don't know how to reach us. There's no real innovation around how do you find people to work with? How do you find that missing songwriter who might live just down the road from you or who might have a free day in the window that you have a free day to collaborate who you both know somebody? You know, there's just no way of knowing that stuff. And we all have these incredible connections. Hopefully what musicians will first of all get is the chance to just put down information that they're constantly having to repeat themselves, like biography, skill sets or, you know, your basic numbers that you need to have if you're going to release music commercially in the UK or around the world. You have to have a number, 
connected to your songwriting or connects to your performer self um, or your producer self. There's all these different like, entities that uh, help you get money. Um, but actually, there's no, there's no core point just for you that belongs to you. So it's to help all the services and to help you. That's pretty cool. Do you feel like the pandemic and the way that kind of people have been producing music has had to change, the way people have been living has had to change, but the way that they've been producing music has had to change, do you feel like there's more scope or kind of a more burning need for mycelia? The thing, that it's called the creative passport and there is definitely, definitely more need now than ever. If you could have the creative passport now, it's a fundamental layer. It's like your your identity you've got an identity there you are i'm chatting to you online now that's the only version of you there is in the world as far as i know unless you've got some kind of crazy clone thing going on but online there is no center point for you you are fragmented across multiple different locations small tweets or on a linkedin or on somebody's profile page somewhere there's no center point for you and that's that's the problem with the whole of the internet completely is that we have no way of independently individually on our own terms self-sovereign identity be able to play a part in that digital space unless we're under the wings of other people and the creative passport is one of those on our own terms we can become open for business we can have information that people need we can charge people for that information so imagine spotify you could have a whole entirely new way of exploring the music on spotify if spotify pulled in information from the creative passport it could have who my inspirations are so if you clicked on image and heap there could be another tab which could say inspired by instead of their algorithms pretending on who i might be inspired by i think apple apple music used to do that you could go oh imogen heaps inspired by guy sigsworth zoe keating pharrell you know the kind of some people you might know some people you might not know and you would go on this crazy discovery trail but there's no that information doesn't exist it's information that spotify would be great for their service because fans would love to explore those people that they wouldn't ordinarily find and you could get a piece of a tiny tiny bit of micropayment for the use of that in for the use of that information because it's been useful to Spotify. And is that is that where the blockchain element comes in? Because I guess blockchain is still part of the elevator pitch on, on Mycelia. Ah, yeah. So blockchain was the inspiration um, five or six years ago. I saw a technology that could, could solve a lot of the problems around data discrepancy, around multiple organisations holding different data sets, and no one being correct, and no way of me going in there to suggest a correct version of a song title. <laughs> I think I think that's the other thing. It's like there's so many different people kind of run away with themselves, and then this kind of lie gets propagated across everywhere. So I have this. I have a, I have a, I have a Wikipedia page, and at no point since it's been open has the whole thing been correct. People have got like so little time, haven't they, on this planet? Let's not waste it with just bad data. Let's just get it right. Get it once right. And then update that information when we when we need. And instead of it updating across, you know, you going into multiple platforms for their benefits to update information about yourself, update it from one place that's your place that all the other places, you know, connect to. But if it's services focused rather than just music focused, it's for you to also see the different options and saying, well, that person's an audio engineer or that person's a producer or that person's in... I don't know if you'd have A&R people on it, but being able to see all the different options is a kind of a, a golden source, like a truth as per that person that they can update, they own. And this idea of owning the data around yourself, I know it's definitely something that we kind of 
we're still not quite there yet. There's there's this guy called Yaron Lanier. He talks about this concept of data dignity, which I love. That this is the truth. This is you should have the the authorship over what happens to your personal data. And if people are using it, that maybe they can use it, but it's under your terms. You or maybe you have brokers. You know, on, under what terms you allow people to share your data. That, that idea of control is brilliant. Um, so with mycelia, you've got this new tool, and it's not just about the people. I guess it's, it's always also about the song, right? If you've got that data and all of it, then that means you can always tie people to us. You can look at a song and look at the people around it, rather than just looking at the people. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose the long-term grand vision would be that the creative passport by way of dealing with your independent identity your details about yourself that you will then be able to go in and author or change or suggest changes uh, or additions to a database of songs a database of work so the initial grand vision of mycelia which was six years ago in desperation of just wondering how the hell I was going to do all the admin now that I was a mum. So I had this like newborn baby. And that's when this idea of this mycelial network, this kind of living organism of good data, this ground layer of information needed to exist in order for the music industry above it to to grow and shape and make sense and flourish. Because at the moment, we don't have that core underpinning information like I did, you know, information about the people that make the songs and the songs themselves as two separate sets of stuff. So we realised that in order to try to approach the, you know, the grand database of all works, I mean, that's been tried and failed many times. And really, this idea of what blockchain could have done for that was the inspiration. But then after a, after a few years, we realised there's just no chance that, you know, little old me has got any hope in hell of attacking that bit of it. But what we can do is make it possible for music makers to be the change and to uh, get them get themselves in order, get their data organized and ready for action. Because when we come together as the many millions that we are around the world and we become organized, we have a huge opportunity where services will come and develop things for us because it makes monetary sense for them. And because we could become the micro investors of the future services that we need, you know, and keeping that wealth within the community. But the database of works is coming. There's a few different sources that are attempting it. And we just want to be ready with the Creative Passport so that we can be there to go, okay, I am Imogen Heap or I am Zoe Keating or I am Ariana Grande or whoever you are can go in there and fact check data, basically, and have the authorship to do that. I love that. I I think I think we can definitely. It's definitely all achievable. I I hope anyone listening has been inspired to to maybe kind of take up the mycelia um, kind of baton and and continue on. But I think that fact checking kind of golden source is a hundred percent something that we need to we need to ensure that we've got. So I I feel like you know what's happening next. You've got the future. You're gonna you're creating the future even if you don't know what it is. What happens next, Imogen? What's coming next? What's coming next? Well, there is so many good things coming. I think actually what's exciting about right now is that the fact that we can't be physically together so much, that those venues we can't be in, is hugely progressing the development in mixed reality and the possibilities for music makers. So that whole space of augmented mixed reality, virtual reality, trying to super push the development so that we can easily license music in that space there's no precedence for it at the moment it's very hard it's like a the services can't really create the content because they can't get permissions to use the song because it's these organizations that hold the rights and there's no way for them to 
talk to the artists at large. Again, another reason why we need a creative passport to make that shift. But there are loads of great services. And one of the ones that I explored was this great company called Wave XR about three years ago. They filmed a little concert that I did in the barn that I was putting together for the for the creative passport. And they shot a point cloud video, which basically meant that I looked a bit like a hologram. And I did these three songs. And people, it really changed my view of the VR space because I think previously I thought it was like, you know, it's never going to be as good as physical, obviously. But actually it's not, it's not even trying to compete. It's just a different, it's a completely different experience. And actually because even just at the very basic right now, you have a headset and you've got your, you've got your um, controllers in your hands. You can do a wireframe of a person and pretty much understand how they're standing, how they're moving. So actually it's a, it's a very personal experience to have a conversation with somebody in VR, even if you are a cat or a dog or a panda or however you're perceived. And I think in that experience, I watched my own show in the audience and somebody walked up to me, saw, saw my name, Imogen, as above my cat head and said, are you Imogen Heap? And I was like, yeah, I am. And they were like, oh my God, this is so weird. You're like there on the stage, but you're here next to me. And I was like, yeah, I know. Anyway, can we stop talking? Because I really want to watch the show. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah, sorry. And it moved away virtually. And then met me in the foyer. And we had this conversation. We had this meeting. And other people would come in in the foyer and be like, oh, my God, Imogen Heap, hey, I came and saw you in New York. And we'd have a conversation. And by the, by the end of it, there were like 30 people congregated around me in the foyer of this virtual place. I was in my home. They were wherever they are. And it was just fascinating. And it actually gave me the confidence to then go on and tour after that because I hadn't interacted with my fans for so long, you know, giving birth and kind of, you know, just life taking a crazy turn and so it was like we were backstage and I had this conversation about technology and it gave me hope what a place to end imaging imaging heat there is hope thank you very much my pleasure thank you very much for joining me on women take charge mm, what you say um mm, what you say <laughs> it's been brilliant thank you very much Imogen. thank you Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.